It's good to be with you here this evening. If you've got a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me please to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. And when we're turning up to that great passage of Scripture, let me take this opportunity to thank your pastor and the session of this church for giving me an opportunity to open up God's Word, to expound the Scriptures, and certainly always to be faithful to the blood and to the book and to the crown rights of Christ Jesus. It's always good to preach Christ, friends. And no matter if I testify or I preach, my prayer is always to the Lord to help me to make much of Christ. You know, this is what the meeting's all about tonight, friends. It's not about a man. It's about the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly, that great commission that was given to young Timothy from Paul was preach the word. And with God's help tonight, and that's what I endeavor to do. With God's word, word open before us, just let's unite our hearts in a brief word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we give thee thanks once again for this another opportunity to stand and to uplift and glorify thy great name. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for what we've been singing. We thank you, Lord, that there's still wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for the Lamb of God tonight, the Lamb of God which taketh away, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, tonight that we would know something of thy great omnipotent power. We give ourselves afresh to thee. We pray as Holy Scripture is read, it will go from seat to seat and from heart to heart. Well, Lord, we're reminded of that great text of Scripture, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And how we need the third person of the divine trinity, God the Holy Spirit, to superintend this meeting. Lord, we give ourselves afresh to thee. We pray, Lord, for that fresh cleansing in and through the precious blood. Lord, help this weak vessel of clay to make much of Christ. Lord, I pray, dear Heavenly Father, as I stand as an ambassador for my Redeemer, Christ, that, that Lord, that I would truly speak much of him. Lord, bring everything that thou hast laid in my heart. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that tonight that there will be a work not only done for time, but for eternity. We ask for souls in the meeting. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that Thou would do that work which man cannot do. We ask, Lord, that You would bring people to the King's Son. Lord, we ask, Lord, as we open up now Thy Holy Scriptures, that, Father, our hearts would burn. Help us to be like those two disciples on the Emmaus Road when they could say, Did, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us by the way and opened unto us the Scriptures? Now, Lord, I give myself afresh to thee, claiming thy great promise. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Lord, grant us Holy Ghost, heaven-sent power. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you would answer these prayers, for he asked these things in the Savior's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 10. 
and the verse 1. And it's hard to believe that this morning our pastor said we're going to open this morning to this great book of Romans. And then he says Romans chapter 10. And I thought to myself, this is powerful, Lord, what you have just said here today in your house. You've just clarified the message that you want me to bring tonight. And you know, it's a desire of Paul's heart. You know, it's always good to go through the Bible in a year. There's not a thing wrong with going through the Bible in a year. You know, sometimes it sounds good, just. There's many as a man, he says he's maybe went through the Bible ten times, five times, eight times. But it's not about going through the Bible, friends. It's about the Bible going through you. And certainly I can say whenever I was asking the Lord for a text of Scripture to testify tonight on, he drew me to this great text of Scripture where Paul being the speaker, that great servant of God, Paul the Apostle that wrote 14 epistles of our New Testament. And Paul opens this great text of Scripture, Brethren, my heart's desire. Do you see those three words, friends? I can honestly tell you tonight, the Lord pierced my soul. Brethren, my heart's desire. What's your desire tonight, friends, in the meeting? What has brought you into God's house tonight? To glorify His great name. Or sadly, in these last days, friends, there's many coming just to simply tick the box. Do you know what scares me, friends, in these last days? Do you know what the church of God needs? They need a God-fearing conscience. We know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And James could say, for any man or woman, he that lacketh wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask of God. Sadly, today in the house of God, friends, there's very little reverence. I haven't come here to lambast any church, but simply just to speak the truth. Talks about that in the last days, the great falling away. Do you know you can fill pews today as some man's coming to testify? Do you know I wasn't long saved and I must confess to you, I told the people all about my life from the beginning nearly to the end and I maybe mentioned Christ in three or four occasions. Friends, that is not of the Spirit. That is of the flesh. I don't intend tonight in God's house to give any airtime whatsoever to the devil. The Bible tells me in that great text of Scripture, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. All because of the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And praise the Lord, I can say tonight, that's past and that's present, and that's future. But Paul's desire was this, friends. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they might be saved. That word saved, friends, the opposite of that word saved is just simply lost. Two types of people in the world today, saved, lost. Sinners saved by grace and sinners. That word saved just simply means rescued from danger, delivered from harm. That's the simple way of explaining that word saved. You know, whenever I was thinking about the word saved, 
the Lord drew near and he, I couldn't help but simply think of why God sent his beloved son into this sin-cursed world. You know, the first time Christ came, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world might be saved. We know that great text of scripture over there in John, in chapter 3 and verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the way the Son of Man come. The Son of Man, yet the Son of God, co-equal and co-eternal. The Son of Man come to seek and to save. There's the word, saved, that which was lost. Friends, we know the great conversion of C.H. Spurgeon. One text of scripture, an old lay man, mounted the pulpit. Not used publicly preaching, but simply repeated God's word over and over and over again. Remember the great text of scripture over there in Isaiah 45 and 22? Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. You see, friends, in this meeting tonight, I thank the Lord what Christ has done in my life, he can do in yours tonight. You can be saved all because of the resurrection. Because if you glance your eye down to verse 9 of that great chapter 10 of Romans, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know, you could put it like this. God hath resurrected Christ from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Do you know something, friends? The resurrection of Christ is the heart of the gospel. That's the way Paul penned those great words in Romans chapter 4 and 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. I thank the Lord for the doctrines of justification, which is through the blood of Christ, and sanctification, which is through God the Holy Spirit. I want to say something tonight, friends. The tomb's empty, and the throne room is occupied. The one that once was crowned with thorns is now crowned in glory. Didn't the hymn writer get that great hymn right when he says, My debt is paid, my soul is free, and by his mighty power, the blood that washed my sins away still cleanseth every hour. I am redeemed. And praise the Lord tonight, I can say I'm not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver nor gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. But that verse goes on to say in verse 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scriptures saith, grasp those four words, friends, tonight in our meeting. For the Scripture saith, the Bible always speaks for itself, friends. 31,000. 102 verses in the authorized King James Version. And every word of Holy Scripture is an errant, absolute truth. It's inspired, God-breathed. You know the author of this great book, our Bible? The author of this great book is the great El Shaddai, God Almighty. 
The theme of this great book is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of this great book is God the Holy Spirit. The three in one, yet one in three. The triune Godhead. I thank the Lord tonight that I'm a Trinitarian. Do you know what the Bible tells me in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7? And this is a great text of Scripture. Whenever the JWs, the Russellites, wrap your door, bring them to this great text of Scripture. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. You could say like this, friends. Chosen by the Father, purchased by the Son, and sealed by the Spirit. Try to explain the Trinity, and you may lose your mind. Remove the Trinity, and you'll lose your soul. And friends, I want to tell you something. This is what divides true biblical Christianity from all false cults and all false religions. And can I pause and simply say this? It's not religion you need, friends. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's thousands of religions, but there's only one gospel, and it's the gospel of redeeming grace. Yes, that text of Scripture goes on to say, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And certainly we can say, like Paul, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek Verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I want to just glance your eye just over to the book of Galatians, just one verse in the book of Galatians, easy found, just over a few books. Galatians chapter 1, and I suppose I could say that if I was to... Use a text of Scripture for my testimony. Certainly this would be my text of Scripture. You see, we've all, because we're sitting here tonight, we've all got our first birth. But it's not about your first birth, friends. It's about your new birth. And here in Galatians chapter 1 and the verse 15, the Bible declares these great words, but, but, you know, the buts in the Bible are very, very important, friends. It's very easy to skip over God's word, isn't it, really? But if you use the authorized version, you'll find out that there's 3,751 buts. We know one of the greatest buts is Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that verse in verse 15 says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, we can pause there and I can say on the 23rd of the 9th, 1969, I was born into this world. I am 50 years of age without you sitting there trying to calculate. I am 50 years of age, but friends, it's not about my first birth that's important here tonight in this meeting. It's about the new birth. Look what the rest of that text of Scripture goes on to say. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. Friends, it was grace that rewrote my name. Praise the Lord. It was grace 
that rewrote my name. God's favor and kindness bestowed upon those who do not deserve it, nor can not earn it. Grace. None but wonder John Newton, that great man that penned those great words. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Do you know the great third verse of that? It blesses my soul every time I sing it. It says these great words, though many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and it will be grace that will lead me home. I stand before you tonight behind this pulpit as a trophy of grace of what the Lord Jesus Christ can do in a life. Almost 15 years ago, I'd have been standing outside the pubs and the clubs as a doorman for the world. I stand here tonight as a candidate to be filled with God, the Holy Spirit, still a doorman, but not for the world, but for Christ, inviting you to open up your heart's door and let this wonderful Savior in. Friends, I could testify in seven words, and seven in the Bible is a number of completion. Seven in the Bible is a number of perfection. And these, my testimony would sound like this in seven words. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Friends, I want to tell you tonight, I have failed my Lord many, many times. He's never failed me once. And I can say without being ashamed or embarrassed, I love my Savior. Do you know why? Because he first loved me. Grace. Oh, grace, friends. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins. Here it is, friends. In his own blood. Revelations 1 and verse 5. Love. You know, I wasn't long saved. (laughs) And I can tell you something, friends. I wasn't long saved, and you know what the prayer of my heart was? Lord, open up your word and saturate my mind with divine truth. Friends, I'm not the greatest reader or writer, and the Lord knows that to be true. I've got very little brains, but I praise the Lord. It's not brains that the Lord's looking for. The entrance of God's word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And you know what needs to be preached again? The simplicity of God's word. Too many men are coming out of colleges, friends, and there's nothing wrong with going into colleges. But let me tell you something. They're coming out with their fluting high, fluting words, friends. Let's get back to the preaching of the blood. Bring them to the Lamb. Bring them to the cross work of Christ. See, it's Spurgeon was tackled many times, but one individual time, this old man came up, and he says, see, it's Spurgeon, I've been following you, your ministry for years, and I find you fascinating, but there's one thing I want to tell you, most of your messages sound alike. See, it's Spurgeon smiled. He took the old man by the hand. He says, that's correct, sir, because whenever I take a text of Scripture from God's Word, I always make a beeline for the cross. You know, that's Paul's desire. Paul's heart's desire and prayer unto God for Israel was that they might be saved. That's my desire tonight for this meeting, that you might be saved.
You know, Paul wanted to know more about Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I can say tonight like Paul that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, I wasn't long saved and I tried to learn scripture. And the first text of scripture I believe, if my memory serves me right, was Psalm 91 and verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Oh, it blesses my soul to think that God of heaven knows us wretched. Because he hath known my name. Brother and sister in the Lord, fear not. Why? Because I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Boys, the devil boys will love to rattle you and tell you you don't belong to Christ. Let me tell you something, friends, and please listen to what I'm saying out of God's word. Do you see in these days that we're living and the devil's ripe? He knows his days are but number. He's up and about like a roaring lion. But praise the Lord, the roaring lion is going to a roaring fire. And he knows that he knows his days are but numbered. Do you know what the devil will tell you? Just keep coming to church, you'll be okay. You know the greatest word in the church needs to be brought back to preach on? Repentance, friends. Repentance. You could go to church all your life. You could be the, you could live in righteousness, be the, the best person, the best neighbor, give money into the church, do, do all those, give all those ties to the missionaries. And friends, sadly, I have to be faithful to God's word. You'll die and you'll go to a lost eternity. Without repentance. You'll go out into a lost eternity, a place called hell, friends. That's how serious a meeting is. And how dare I stand and go through my past and tell you where I have come from. God forbid. The duty of the watchman is simply to blow the trumpet and to warn the people, lest their blood be required at the watchman's hands. That's how serious a meeting is, friends. One day, I'll stand at the Bema throne and I'll give an account for everything that I have said here tonight. That ought to make ministers tremble. I want to ask you a question tonight, friends. Does the great El Shaddai know your name? Well, we do know when we talk about God, He's omnipotent, He's all powerful, He's all known. He knows your name, certainly. What I am asking is this, friends is your name written down in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life? Because the Bible tells me, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Can I tell you two things that will take you to that lake of fire? Do you know what the first thing is? You refuse to accept God's only way of salvation, and that was through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is this. You listen to the lies of the devil, and he ended up deceiving you. The devil is a deceiver, friends. Maybe the devil's telling you you're a good person. I have no doubt you're a good person. Good people go to hell, friends. All have sinned. That takes you and me in. And come short of the glory of God. There's no one that sinneth not. No, not one. You know, I could say many things from this pulpit tonight, but I would just want to simply say this, because this will lead me in to be able to speak a few moments on a text of Scripture that the Lord once again has led in my heart. Me and my wife and my wee girl was few in a house one time when we were moving home. 
Now, I have to be very careful that I don't give any airtime whatsoever to the devil. But simply to say this, the plaque on the wall read these words. If there's no beer in heaven, I don't want to be there. I thank the Lord tonight that there is no beer in heaven. But let me tell you something, friends. In this meeting, there's no beer in hell also. You grasp what I have just said there tonight in this meeting. Don't you think that you're going to a lost eternity with all your friends and it's going to be a bit of crack. The only crack in hell is the cracks of the flames. Praise the Lord in heaven. There's springs of living water. And it's Christ himself. And we shall never thirst again, friends. But I have no doubt the very demons of hell, the evil spirits will be swimming in, in this meeting. You know, even the devil himself could be here. The devil's not omnipotent. He can't be everywhere at one time. But let me tell you something. There's no beer in hell. And I'll tell you, I'll go further and tell you this. There's not even as much as a drop of water in hell. Do you remember the rich man in Luke 16, verses 19 through to 31? And in hell. Hell's real, friends. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A place of outer darkness. Oh, friends, let me tell you something. Do you know what I believe the greatest torment in hell is? Please, zoom in what I'm about to say. The greatest torment in hell is this. You'll take your memory with you. And you'll remember every word that this weak vessel of clay spoke tonight. It'll haunt you throughout all eternity. You'll take your memory. The rich man. Wanted for nothing on earth. Do you remember Lazarus lay outside his gate? Desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sore. Now, the tables has torn friends. The rich man becomes the poor man where the poor man becomes the rich man. And that was the cry of the rich man in hell. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and saith Abraham afar off. And Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And saying, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Friends, that ought to make you tremble in this meeting if you're not in Christ. Oh, friends, zoom in what I have just said. You see, the problem is the devil will tell you, and I've repeated this two minutes ago, you're a good enough person. You know, that lie has spawned in hell, friends. And you see, this night you may be just one heartbeat away from a lost eternity, a place called hell. Just maybe one step away from it. Do you remember what David said to young Jonathan in the field over there in 1 Samuel? Chapter 20 and verse 3, But truly as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Just one step. And yet today in our society, we've got people mocks. What about the atheists? The fool has said in his heart there is no God. You know, I run into one of these boys about a year ago. And I want to tell you something, friends. It was a hot, hot debate. He started off, there was two other men with him. He says, there's no such thing as God. He says, this world came in with a big bang. I says, the world didn't come in with a big bang. But let me tell you, the world will go out with a big bang. 
And I remember quoting that great text of Scripture, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Do you remember what the psalmist penned there in Psalm 33 and verse 6? By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Do you know something? Those six days God breathed this word into being. For he speak, Psalm 33 and verse 9, and it was done. He commanded and it stood vast. And you know one of the greatest texts of Scripture is found over there in Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. I remember quoting this to him, Ah, Lord God. What a beautiful way to start a passage of Scripture. Ah, Lord God. Jeremiah speaking. Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there's nothing too hard for thee. That man says to me, you know, I've got a wee girl at home. She's only three or four, and she's got more sense than you because she believes you just die and you waste away. And I says, hallelujah, I believe that too. But let me quote you the rest of that text of Scripture in Job 10 and verse 14. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, the soul. And where is he? The most precious thing, my friends, you have in this meeting tonight is your soul. It will live throughout all of eternity. And I don't care what you have in the bank. It means nothing. Because the Bible tells me, what shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, folks, I have to hurry here. I want to take you now till the age of, I suppose, seven, eight years of age. And just by looking around here, I can see young boys sitting in the meeting. And Do you know something? As a young boy sitting in God's house, the enemy was never far away. The devil used to come and say, Keith, what the man is preaching at the front, it's not to you. He's speaking about sinners. How could you be a sinner at seven and eight years of age? A sinner is somebody who goes out into the world, takes drugs, drinks. That's what a sinner is. You're not a sinner, Keith. Friend, I want to tell you something in the authority of God's holy written word. We're all sinners. In fact, we're all born in sin and shaping in iniquity. That's what the Bible tells us. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother concede me. Psalm 51 and verse 5. Sinners from birth, friends. Sinners by practice and sinners by nature. Sinners all because of the disobedience of just one man. I can't get my head around that. Just one man brought this world into sin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5 and verse 12. You remember the great command that was given to the man, Adam? Friends, I want to tell you something tonight. That great command is still given to human beings tonight. And it's the word repent. Do you remember Paul in Athens and Mars Hill? Do you remember the words that he spoke there in Acts 17 and verse 30? God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. 
Christ himself repeated the same verse twice in Luke 13 and verse 3. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If the gospel you preach does not include repentance, then you preach a false gospel. The modern gospels today, no sin, no hell, no blood, no cross, no salvation. Repentance, friends. It was the great message of John the Baptist. Peter the disciple. Paul the apostle. But most of all, Christ himself. Matthew 4 and 17. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Friends, you must needs to repent from your sins. Thomas Watson, the great Puritan, said these words. Knowledge without repentance will be but a torch to guide men to hell. Knowledge without repentance will be but a torch to guide men to hell. That great command that was given to Adam in Genesis 2 and verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Then the Satan, the serpent comes to Eve. He doesn't come with a lie. He comes with doubt. He's a master of doubt, friends. Do you remember what he said to Eve? Half God said. Then he comes with the lie. For God doth know that the day that thou eatest thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. They did eat, and their eyes were opened, not as gods, but as sinners. Plunge this world into sin. Let me rewind a wee bit further. At the age of 15, I vowed I would never be inside a church door again. I have to confess to you, friends, I thought it was for the, the weak, the sissies. I want to talk a million pounds to stand behind a pulpit and preach. Not a million pounds, friends. And at the age of 15, I vowed I would never be near a church door again. Roughly 15, 16. At the age of 19, I packed my bags and went to Australia. You can never run away from God. You know, I could say like Timothy as from a child was better than the heart, friends. You know, Christ's word will not return on them void. My daddy was faithful. Train up a child in the way she'll go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Sadly, for 35 years of my life, I departed from it. But here I was, friends, at the age now of 35. No thought of God whatsoever. Standing outside a place called the Black Horse. Competing in Ireland's strongest man at 18 and a half stone. And friends, you know what broke me? Just one wee gospel track. Isn't it wonderful what the devil tells you? Please, with your mind, what good's a gospel track? I'll tell you what good the gospel track is. There's enough gospel within, say, the gospel track to save the world. Maybe you're in this meeting. And you love giving out gospel tracts. Can I encourage you to keep going and giving out God's word, friends? Because this is what broke me. Do you know there was a crowd, a mob that night was coming down to go into club land. You know what they were doing with God's word? They were ripping it up. And they were throwing it up into the air, friends. And a big doorman beside me, I remember saying these words to them. Do they not realize one day that they'll give an account for that? They'll stand before a holy God. And as quick as I thought that, 
the third person of the divine trinity, God the Holy Spirit, said to me, Keith, you're no better. In fact, you're worse because you know the truth. And if you were to die tonight and they were to die, you both will go to a lost eternity. And I want to tell you something, friends. That was the first time that I actually shook. I trembled, friends. You know, I could say probably like Tina Grippa, almost. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Do you know for one month the Lord still strayed with me? Do you know there's mockers and scoffers and towards the end times? Do you know this is going to rise more and more and more? Do you know what a man said to my father one time in a changeover of shifts? He said these words, friends. If there's a such place as hell, Cecil, I'll see you there. I'm not making that up, friends. That's the words that he said in a changeover of shifts. And that young man went over and jumped onto a motorbike and less than a few miles up the road, he had a tractor and a trailer and went out into God's eternity. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Aye, but you might say, but I've said many as a thing like that and I'm still on earth. Hey, let me tell you something, friends. Your day will come. You'll either bow the knee here in repentance or you'll bow the knee in heaven because the Bible tells me that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father choice is yours tonight friends but here I was one month from that roughly 27th the 3rd 2005 an Easter Sunday was going to be the day of my new birth I remember coming down the stairs from being out on the night before and the way I, my wife's with me tonight she'll tell you normally 12 o'clock at dinner slept in the sit about 6 o'clock Got up, went up, got changed, white shirt, dicky bow on, back into the clubs. And folks, that's how my life was for many, many years. Door work on a Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and even on the Lord's night, the Sunday night. I was the most greediest man for money, trust me. And that's, my wife can clarify this tonight, whenever we give our lives to Christ, we wondered how we were going to do without the money. I thank the Lord, the Lord has blessed us abundantly. We didn't need the devil's money. But here I was coming down the stairs that morning. And I can tell you something now, friends. This is real. This is real, friends. This is not some kind of a mixed up story to make you maybe feel good or whatever. No, friends, this is real tonight. This is what the Lord done in this man's life. That morning when I come down, the spirit of the living God drew so near. You know, my mind went to Calvary. You know, you'll never be saved, not unless you get your mind to Calvary, friends. You see, it's the way of the cross that leads home. And though the world may say there's hope some other way, I'm depending on Christ's blood. But you know, my wife said to me roughly, I don't know what time it was, 7, 8 o'clock, what time are you supposed to be on that tonight? I remember getting up off the black seat. I remember making my way up into the bathroom. And friends, I want to tell you something. I was on many's of a row with the feet and the fists. And the, look, listen to me. My wife can tell you there was more shirts had to go to the bin with blood on it. And I want to say something tonight in God's house. This was the biggest battle I was ever in and there wasn't a fist or a foot lifted. You see, if you're under deep conviction, friends, I want to tell you something now. It's a battle. <laughs> but here I was staring into the mirror and the devil come. Evil spirits, demons, whatever way you want to call it. And telling me you'll never be able to keep it, Keith. That lie was spawned in hell also. 
But believe it or not, the devil, or whatever who it was, was playing with my mind that night. He wasn't telling lies because really we cannot keep it. <laughs> he keeps us. You know what the devil told me? You'll never be able to do without all the money. And then all your doormen are going to laugh at you. Let me say something, friends. Your friends may laugh you into hell, but they'll never laugh you out of it. And I remember God, the Holy Spirit, friends, coming in so real of a way. And I want to tell you something, friends. That great text of Scripture that was bedded in my soul as a young boy in Genesis 6 and verse 3, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Don't you think tonight in this meeting that you can come back next Sunday night and give your life to Christ? I believe that there's many people in a lost eternity that thought that too. You see, Christ is not always found or he's not always near. That's scripture, friends. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found and call ye upon him while he's near. Tears started to trip from my eyes. I remember going into the spare room where I thought the Bible was kept. There was no Bible in our spare room. And yet I found eight sheets of paper numbered from one to eight. And friends, the eighth sheet was sitting at the top. And you know what it said? Just how to give your life to Christ. A young man had a concern for my soul the time that I was going to the youth back in the church. I remember coming down the stairs at this stage. The tears were running out of my eyes. My wife wasn't saved at this time. I remember saying, Esther, I'll be back shortly. And I remember saying, Lord, spare me till I get to the top of Sleeve Gallion. I want to surrender my life to you. I remember getting into the car. I remember driving down that road through money more. And friends, an awful fear gripped my soul that I still hadn't repented. And you know something? I was afraid in case maybe the Lord was going to return that night. And I wasn't going to get time even to get to the top of Slave Gallion. And I remember pulling in a wee side road. That's how deep of a conviction it was upon me. And I remember putting my head on top of the steering wheel. And I remember praying the sinner's prayer. You know, sometimes the devil will tell you that you must say these types of words to be saved. No, friends. Cry unto the Lord. Realize that you're a sinner and you need the Savior. And praise the Lord, I can say tonight before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. Not only was he the lamb slain at Calvary's middle tree, but he was the lamb slain away before the foundation of the world, friends. And here I drop my head on top of the steering wheel. And I says, Lord, save me. Come into my heart. Change my life. Lord, I don't know much more, but all I do know is you shed your precious blood for sinners, and I'm a sinner, and I repent from my sins. Amen. And friends, I want to tell you something. It's as true as I am standing behind this pulpit. When I said amen, my eyes open up. Oh, listen to me. I was changed in an instant. Not a wonder that great text of Scripture declares over there in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You need the new birth tonight, friends, just as I did. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Friends, that's how serious the meeting is. But I remember coming up now. This is a mother and father. Let me speak to mothers and fathers in the meeting tonight. This is a mother and father that prayed for their wayward boy for many, many years. 
And I have no doubt tonight in this meeting, when my father was praying for this wayward boy, there was much tears. My wife can tell you some of the things that took place. Arrested for GBH one Saturday morning. My dad, I broke his heart. I broke my mother's heart. And yet the Lord was pleased to hear and answer prayer and draw this wayward boy like a prodigal son back to the father's house. Keep praying, friends. There's power in prayer. You know, I got into the house. The first thing, I, if I can still mind, I remember hugging my wife. She wasn't saved. I remember saying, you see, with the bouncing gear, get rid of it, Esther. I'm not going to need it anymore. I've just surrendered my life to Christ. And if my memory serves me well, I don't think Esther threw it in the bin because she thought I would be back the next week doing door work. But I remember running to the phone, and my father was on holidays that night. And my dad used to always say when he was going to holidays, Keith, don't phone, not unless it's an emergency. Well, praise the Lord, it was an emergency. I remember dialing the number, and I remember him coming on the other side of the phone, and this is the words I remember him as plain saying to me, Keith, what's wrong? I says, Daddy, your prayers has been answered. And we rejoiced that night on the phone. Six weeks later, the Lord answered prayer and saved my wife. The Lord did give us household salvation. We've got a young boy at the minute. Yes, certainly. We need to be praying for our young ones, friends. The devil's never far away. I suppose I need to end just simply by saying this, friends. Why? Why did the Son of God leave the splendors of heaven's glory? We, we do know why. We've already read it. He come to seek and to save that which was lost. But try to get your punite mind around that. Why did he leave the splendors of heaven's glory to come down into this sin-cursed world? You know the anthem in heaven is holy, holy, holy. Yet he left that aside to come into this sin-cursed world to hear evil men cry out, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Now you're in this meeting tonight and you might say, I wouldn't say those words. Let me tell you something. Do you see if you haven't repented from your sins? That's exactly what you have done. I don't know if I should say this or not. But simply, out of 20... 22 doormen, only one doorman phoned me. His name was Francis Campbell. He was a, a Roman Catholic. The Lord loves the Roman Catholics, friends. Do you know, I wasn't long saved, and I remember going to a mission that was independent Methodist. They had a mission in the Dungannon Road roundabout. A young converted Roman Catholic from Paul Glass was testifying. And friends, I want to tell you something. I have never heard a word of testimony like it in my life. And I remember when I was sitting in that meeting, all I could think of was, why did I not have Francis in here, hearing this word of testimony? The meeting was over. I remember coming up to the front. I remember asking the young man from whole class, had he a copy of his testimony? I wanted to give it to a Roman Catholic that used to do door work, door work with me. And, and you know something, friends, whenever I was speaking to you, out of those 22 doormen or 20 doormen, there was only one doorman that phoned me, and that was Francis. 
Uh, we were just home from church, and I remember for 10 minutes speaking to Francis about Christ and what Christ has accomplished. And, you know, but this man, after he had offered up one sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. And, you know, uh, you know Francis, don't depend on a priest or, or this and that. And I remember going over a pile of things, just a newborn babe. I remember saying what Christ had accomplished on the cross of Calvary. It's finished, Francis. I says, that great work of an atonement, that great work of redemption, it is finished. I says, you've no call, Francis, to look anywhere but Christ. And friends, I want to tell you something. I remember getting that copy of that testimony, and that's what I thought to myself. I need to get to Francis to give him this copy. And you know what the devil says to me? You can't go down to club land again because those, that you, those people that seize you down there think you're back doing door work and you're backslidden. Keith, you know what you do? You just put it in the front of your car in the glove box and then maybe someday you'll bump into Francis and you'll give it to them. Now let me explain something very quickly. Francis Campbell materially had absolutely everything materially. Very wealthy young fella. Big farm left to him. Sold two plots of land, got over 200,000. And I know this for a fact, he gave one of the doormen a lend of money at that time out of his own good heart. Going a wee girl from Australia. Drove a beautiful car. I don't know many months it was after that that I was speaking to Francis on the phone and received that copy of testimony. But I remember getting a phone call from another doorman. He says, did you hear about Francis? I says, no, I didn't. He says, you know the, how the big farm that was left him, he went down, he took a rope, and he committed suicide. And yet you are still in the day of grace. Another opportunity to come to repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, you know something, this very meeting tonight, there's a stillness in this meeting, not because of man, because God the Holy Spirit, I believe, is speaking here tonight. What if this was your last opportunity? If I could tell you anywhere in Holy Scripture that to give your life to Christ tomorrow. But friends, I can't do that. The Bible tells me, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your heart. Wouldn't it be desperate if this was your last night on earth? Ah, minister, you're trying to scare me. No, friends, I can't scare you. Because you see, something I believe that the world is full of false professions. People are emotional people. We hands going up here, there, and everywhere. Not of a wonder the Lord says that many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. Oh yeah, but what did Christ say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You are at a crossroads tonight, friends. And you must need to make a decision. May the Lord give you the grace to call upon him.